We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 316. Today is book club day on the podcast. If you didn't know, in the beginning of the year, I started a little book club, and every quarter we do a new book, but before that, we do a little review over the podcast. So I thought I'd have the authors on to talk a little bit about the book and had some questions on it. So the book of this quarter was With Purpose, The Balmoral Standard by Tracy Brooks and Carlton Brooks with Rennie Dieball. And the forward is by Dr. Piper Clem. So I had Piper, Tracy, and Carlton on to chat a little bit about the book and what made them write it, how long the process took. And I just really like how it was organized. It was, you know, very much a book that you could read and take notes. There's amazing pictures. It's a very easy, quick read, but it's also organized so well that if you're struggling through something or wanting to learn more about a specific topic, super easy to just pick up, you know, open it to the middle of the book and learn something or apply something to your training or your riding. So without further ado, please welcome our guests today, Tracy and Carlton Brooks and Dr. Piper Clem. Well, I am so excited to talk about this book and I have Dr. Piper Clem on as well as Carlton and Tracy Brooks, who are a part of the With Purpose of a Moral Standard book. And so I've had so much fun reading it over the past several months. And so I wanted to have you all on to chat a little bit about it. Um, but first, Carlton and Tracy, maybe tell me a little bit about what prompted you wanting to put this information together in a book format. Carlton, was it something that you had been thinking about for a while now? I think that people always looked at me a little like I was confusing and different. So I decided to express my views. And then Piper and Rennie came to me and said, you should write a book. So that's how it started. Yeah, amazing. Piper, what was the process like? Were you a part of the the organization and you know putting all of the thoughts together in a way that made sense? Because reading it, I thought the flow was you know very nice and very clear. So I think you guys did a great job with that. Absolutely. I mean, that's that was one of our goals from the start is um, that Carlton and Tracy have so much knowledge and yeah. they want to share everything. And I think they're going to be future books down the line for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, trying to put <laughs> everything that they know about horses into one book um, is just untenable. And, and so really focusing on exactly that, <clears throat> making it very readable, um, very accessible and, you know, having short passages and, and great photos. People have short attention spans. Um, in today's world, we all get distracted by by so many things going on and have so many pressing matters. We really wanted to create something that people could pick up for five minutes and, and get something out of. And having the book on Audible was also a huge part of that. We're all on the road so much and we're all traveling so much. And I, I still on the road will go back and listen to a chapter here or a chapter there and stand alone so that people could go back again and again and, and rethink about the knowledge with a different horse or a different client right. or, or a different situation. 
Yeah, I think that's what made the book so unique is while it was, you know, a book that you could read cover to cover, the way that it was organized, it was kind of like a a manual. So that I thought that was really, you know, well done, especially for our sport where, you know, often you have people who maybe aren't avid readers or, you know, just for the the sheer issue of lack of time. So um, being able to do that and kind of like what you said, Piper, with um, Audible that, I mean, you can even do that from a trail ride. So that's so cool. I love that, that concept for sure. But I also feel like what's super unique with this dynamic of the book is that it wasn't just from, you know, a book relationship that you know, the three of you know each other and I, you've known each other for years. You, you know, work together with um, riding and training. So Piper, tell me a little bit about that dynamic and how it was, you know, Carlton and Tracy aren't just, you know, professionals and people that you look up into, in, you know, in the industry, but also, you know, part of your barn family. So tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, it started for me with with very much no expectations. Um, we ended up all uh, being at Thermal one year, and um, Tracy invited me to come ride. And I had worked, as, as you know, Bethany, from the media side of things, I'd worked the horse show for years at that point, but I'd never actually sat on a horse. And we all have these goals, and we kind of can't get them all to align at, at sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I dreamed of riding, but it, it didn't seem an attainable goal for me. And um, the second, I mean, it, it just clicked the first moment. I, I tell everyone that I felt like I understood more about riding before I even got on the horse from what was being explained to me than I really had in, in my whole life prior. Like, you know, it, it, I think I'm hard to teach because I want it so badly. And yet, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a patience and it's a process and, I really needed to be an adult to start to absorb the lessons that the horses had always been trying to give me. And it really was just a moment for me. And I, I learned so much and I wanted, I want everyone to have that experience. I want everyone in the sport to have that moment that invigorates them to want to put in the work and want to be part of the process. And wanting to do this book really stemmed from, from that is I, and I talked about it, my publisher's note in the forward of the book is that I always got so into luck and so into chance and so into these things because I felt like things couldn't be controlled. And that day I, I went home and I still remember this and I took off my socks and I was just like, I never need a lucky pair of socks again. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to learn to do this better and I'm going to really learn it this time. Wow. That's, that's so cool. I love that. Um, Let's get into the book a little bit. There are so many parts that I wanted to uh, ask you guys about and hear um, a little bit about, you know, how that kind of your your thought process and how that kind of came together. Um, in chapter three, I love chapter three. It's it's titled Think Like a Horse, um, which I think is such a monumental part of really understanding the feel when you're riding. Um, Tracy, you uh, there's a quote in here that says, our motto is routine, structure, expectation, positivity. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your concept of obviously no one fully knows what a horse is thinking. Um, and, and you say in the book, if you did, it would really make the job easier. But I think that's also the wonderful challenge of what we do. So kind of break down what you mean when when you you know talked about thinking like a horse. 
Yes. We think of every horse, just like people as individuals. And we try to get the, get to know the horses, what makes them tick, what they like, what they don't like, how they are able to learn and how we can best facilitate that. And Carlton says this a lot. We're, we're creating the opportunity for the horse to understand what we're asking from it. So the more clear we can be about that before we even get on the horse or come up with any sort of plan for what that horse's job is going to be or how we're going to train it is we sort of have to know its personality. We have to just be clear on what this horse's job is going to be. What are we asking from it? What do we want it to understand from us? So just creating systems like we are, we're very system oriented in everything we do. And that was another reason why we, we thought the book was a good idea because I think it's just, it's very basic. And if you don't have a plan about what you're doing, and if you can't visualize it before you do it for yourself and the horse, you're going to have a hard time. So that's, that's sort of what we, we like to start with is what are the expectations? Where do we go before we even walk in the barn? What do we want to do with this horse? What's our plan? And then making it very clear for the horse that I think that that's a big part, making it clear for the horse and then making it clear for the rider. So everything we do is with a lot of routine, mm-hmm. um, even from the way we we lead the horses to the ring, the way we ride them back from the ring. Um, we try not to ride directly from the ring to the barn. We always stop and, and have the horses pause before they leave the ring so they don't get in a rush to leave. On a day when we're schooling at the horse shows, we try not to jump too many jumps going towards the in gate so the horses don't learn to rush home. It's just stuff that when you break it down, people say to us, oh, that's so simple. That makes so much sense. But it, it's more just breaking it into bite-sized pieces so that it's digestible for the horse and then also for the rider. Love that. Um, Carlton, you're, I mean, you're kind of, when I think of confirmation classes, you are one of the first professionals that come to mind. You're kind of the king of confirmation. And I love how in the book you really broke it down um, because I feel like it's a little bit part of the hunter world that not everyone fully knows about and understands, you know, what the judge is looking for in those confirmation classes and, and about the model. And I love that you have your notes on, on confirmation. There's that beautiful picture of Pritchard Hill and you talk about um, the hind end, the pasterns, the feet, the different proportions. Break that down for me a little bit, what you look for. And obviously you've been working with horses in the confirmation divisions for decades now was it so how did you learn that information was it just kind of from doing it and from learning from other professionals give me give me the confirmation 101 i think that's a loaded question uh first thing is balance so when i started riding we didn't have any flat ground so you had a horse had to have balance to go up and down hills and such and then from balance, I went to something that has to stand out and be exceptional to everything else. If you're going to be a competitor, you need to have something that you have a shot at being the best. So that went to the the regal look, so to speak. Then I started breaking it down. I did a lot of racehorse sales, yearlings and two-year-olds, and broke 60 horses a year at one time in my career. And you learned about balance, and you watched them run around. And from there, you picked up what they needed to do. And then when you had a good, a better than average horse, 
you watched how their balance and their body structure affected them. So then you put those the overall together and then you broke it down into pieces and then you put the overall back together. And that's where I've always started from, from the ground up. And I think sensing how a horse biomechanics work helps a lot. I think mm-hmm. most people do not realize mm-hmm. the horse's structure. If you took a horse and it stood on its hind legs, rearing up and you faced its chest or its belly, it's basically the same as a human structure with the only thing extra is the hock. So if you go from that, but then they're putting their hands and their feet on the ground, that's what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Growing up, one of my dream horse venues was the Kentucky Horse Park, and now I've had the pleasure of taking our clients and our show team to the infamous Alltech Arena, and it's just totally a full circle moment. Well, speaking of Alltech, I have had the pleasure of getting to know the Alltech nutrition team and all the amazing equine supplements that they offer. I didn't know that they offered supplements for a range of animals, but their equine supplements really have special ingredients that really help digestive health, muscle function, joint health, you name it, stronger hooves, and just overall body condition. They are really premium supplements, and they have just the ideal blend of ingredients to improve horses' health and performance. So if you have not tried out Alltech Performance Nutrition, you should definitely check it out. If you head over to their website at alltech.com, they will really help you get started based on what your horse's needs are, um, where you kind of normally shop for feed products, and if there's any specialty ingredients that you are looking to incorporate into your horse's regime. So again, that is alltech.com, A-L-L-T-E-C-H, and they have tons of information about how to incorporate more specialty ingredients into your horse's supplements. When you are working with horses that are in those divisions, how often are you, I mean, obviously more for the the horse's sake at this point, but how often are you kind of in your ring at home practicing the model? That's another question. Each horse is an individual. First off, they have to have patience in general. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with actually practicing the model. You teach them to walk flat-footed and be loose in their shoulders and the hind in, and then I think you get them where they, they follow, they feel you're part of their team, so they follow you. And so with your body, you can actually place a horse in any position you like. Mm-hmm. And that's, we do it. Some of the men, our head man that's been with us for 30 years, he knows exactly what to do, how we walk them, how we turn them. I watch their body movements, what they're, avenue of escape is and then I learn how to use that to my advantage. I have one horse that turned in the past that I turned slightly to the left when I stood it up. I have one horse that almost jogged before I stopped and stood it up. Anything to get their body in the per- position they want. But that's watching your horse and studying it and visualizing yourself doing it over and over and over again. Then when you practice it it has to be very specific. Yeah, definitely. Piper, I'd love to get your response to chapter 11, which is something that I think a lot of people 
really uh, fret about, focus on, and that is the distance. Um, and in the chapter, you know, kind of starts out that, you know, there really are three main options when you're approaching the jump, you know, that middle um, kind of happy medium spot too close or too long. And um, what I love in this chapter, you talk about the box um, that you kind of create right in front of the jump. Um, tell me from a rider standpoint with Carlton and Tracy, um, what was what's that process like for you when you are, you know, let's say, you know, some days your eye is, you know, really in tune with that distance, that perfect spot and, and other days, not so much. So have you been, have you personally worked with that box and, and show like, tell me a little bit about how that's been helpful for you and your riding. Um, for me, the biggest revelation has been to, to take the focus off of the distance and mm -hmm. really have it be on canner and pace and evenness and track. Um, I would say that I was definitely one of the people very obsessed with the distance, yeah, you know, yeah. looking for it out of the corner. And then I'd cut my turns and and make a whole host of mistakes being not on the correct track. And I think being extremely disciplined every stride, coming around the corner, visualizing my courses, knowing exactly where I want to turn, picking out my focal points before I even get on the horse and being actually prepared, watching trips, watching what turns make sense to every single jump. That's been the biggest take home from me. Um, I haven't used the box as much because I've, in my riding, been trying to take the focus off of the distance and really make it about the canner. And it's been incredible riding so many different horses with Tracy and Carlton, how easily the distances come up when you are managing the pieces you can control correctly um it, it's kind of been shocking to me <laughs> totally yeah yeah I love that that's such a it's such a good point and later in that chapter I remember it talked about um how you know a good eye is often seen as you know such a such a positive thing and it can also be a disadvantage because if you can see a distance too far out it's almost like your mind convinces you of all of the possible options and then it ends up <laughs> really really not being great in the end so there there's definitely such thing as a good eye not being so great at times i also loved later in the book um chapter 15 talking about the f word tracy tell me a little bit about fear and what made you want to incorporate this this aspect to the book well part of the whole irony of that chapter is is piper and rennie they know me really well and they know that I have a dirty mouth sometimes. So we thought <laughs> we thought that was actually just a little little innuendo for anyone anyone who knows not I'm not speaking for Carlton, but me. But we do we have a lot of adults who ride with us and and historically we find that when you ride as an adult, fear really gets in the way and it really creeps in. Um, kids, when you learn to ride when you're young, you don't really realize so much that it's, you know, you should be scared and, you know, you have a healthy sense of self-preservation, but maybe not so much fear. But adults, people who have families, people who don't want to hit the ground, they are rightly so worried about getting hurt. So everything they do is is sort of predicated on that. So a lot of times what you do when you're fearful, the first thing you want to do is is grab the reins or you want to go really slowly. Um, and we always try to explain to people that 
you're actually going to create a situation that is more dangerous if if you go too slow. Right. Um, your horse isn't going to be able to get itself out of trouble so much. Or if you pull on the reins and you distract the horse or you're giving it conflicting signals or clashing your aids, like all those things that come from fear are actually setting you up for a situation that is unsafe. So like with everything else we do, we try to, to have that make logical sense to people, but also to try to give them a system that works to work around the fear. And we say often we'll say, you know, just act as if act as if, you know, act as if you've already won, act as if you've already done a perfect round because so much of this is mental. So before you even go to the barn, you have to get yourself in the headspace that the, the space that I was saving for fear, I'm going to, I'm going to use that for excitement or embracing a challenge or something else. And maybe the challenge of that day is I'm just going to go in a straight line or I'm going to count my strides or I'm going to do a perfect lead change. But putting goals in your head and maybe it's just two or three, three things a ride, or maybe sometimes it's even just one thing, but, but not making the space for the fear to creep in. And if it does, having a system that works for you to get yourself out of, of that spiral. Definitely. Yeah, that's such a good point. And um, I love in the book how you guys talked about you know, maybe the judge gave you, you know, mid seventies and, and in your mind, maybe you felt like you should have scored in the eighties, but if you're, you know, the judge didn't know the things that you were, you know, really trying to focus on for that round and, and being able to, instead of always focusing on the score and the numbers and all of that, um, focusing on, you know, taking a couple things into each round of things that you want to um, work on and and things that are attainable for you to accomplish. And I think that that helps instill that confidence over time. Tell me a little bit, uh, Piper, I would love to hear with the, you know, launch of this book and, and obviously alluding to the fact of hopeful future books. Um, tell me a little bit, how long did the process take from start to finish getting all of this collection of ideas together and published? And um, what are some things that we could maybe see in the future as far as topics? Absolutely. I think it took about three years. Um, Rennie Dybal got started with Carlton and Tracy kind of right before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And these things are a lot easier to do in person, I would say, because you start getting on these conversations and you get rolling. And then Rennie's two little kids are in school. So travel wasn't really an option um, for her. So I I think that, you know, part of it taking a while was um, trying to organize something that's very organic in person, but had Mm -hmm. to be done (laughs) in a a very different way for, for this book. I think, you know, the process, uh, part of putting it together what was the Audible and and going through all that process, which was um, really fun for me to just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> and we still, um, it's coming out in paperback this spring. So we had the hardcover come out in December. The paperback's coming out this month. And then still to come with, with Purpose, um, it's going to be coming out on Audible in Spanish um, so that we are more inclusive and Amazing. get to it include a larger section of the equestrian audience. So we're really excited about all the pieces that are going to continue to come from this. 
And for what's next, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things. Definitely this book says uh, volume one on it. Um, mm-hmm. So we we are open to that that next volume too. I, I think same thing that'll, that'll take a bit of time, probably a few years to get organized, but we've been talking about doing other training projects in the meantime. I think when we, you know, even even what Carlton just said about starting sixty horses a year, nobody has this expertise. Um, if it's if we don't put it out there in the collective and put it in a manner where people can read it and digest, we don't have young people starting sixty horses a year right now. Like that yeah. that doesn't exist. We're not getting people into positions that make lifelong horse people in quite the same way um that that's not part of our culture right now that's something we need to change but in the meantime the best thing we can do is put as much data as much information as much knowledge out there so that the people who are hungry have a place to come find it definitely and i think that that that's definitely one of the most important parts of coming out with this book is that it really i mean definitely shows your confidence, Carlton and Tracy, as professionals and with a program that has been proven, but it also allows you to really share what has worked well for you, what you've learned from, to really try to chip away at demystifying the industry. And for so long, it seemed like everyone did you know, things and, and, and you see it today too, that every program does things a little bit differently. And I think we're one of the sports that could improve uh, that, that part of it. You look at some top um, super popular sports and the top of those sports that a lot of those athletes train you know, identically. And um, I think working towards finding some you know, similarities and for people, you know, younger in the industry to be able to learn from professionals like yourself and, you know, take that and add it and incorporate that that to their program, I think is so important. So I appreciate you guys taking the years to put this together. I think it's been so helpful for the industry and I'm so excited for anything else you come out in the future, but thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, for anyone who hadn't read part of the book club month um, with purpose, the Balmoral standard is available. Um, I, I honestly loved the hardcover. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little rough on my books, so I liked the hardcover, but excited that paperback for, for all of you who prefer paperback or audible will be available this month. So, so exciting, but thank you all so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bethany. Bethany, thank you so much. Have a great week. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.